Let's pray, hey? Dear God, we thank you for this word. That's an eternal word. We thank you that it is like a sword that's double-sided, that can pierce our hard hearts. That none of us here have a heart, heart that is too hard for this word. Thank you for the privilege of being able to stand and deliver your word. I pray that my words will be true and straight and courageous. And I pray that our ears would be open, that we might not look at your word like a mirror and then turn away, forget what we look like. We pray for anyone here who needs to hear comfort from you today, Lord, that they would hear comfort from your word. Pray for those here today that are comfortable and need to hear military words from you, that there's a battle to fight, that they have a role to play in this fight, whether on their knees or with their hands. Pray for the elders of this church particularly. We pray they would stay strong, they would be wise, they would have insight. Pray this message would be for them. Pray for any unbelievers in this room today that don't know you yet, Lord. I pray that they would hear the true gospel and that they would turn today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I've been um, tracking you with you guys. It's okay if I don't use the mic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, since, you know, for 12, 13 years, um, are you going to record? It is recorded, but I'll just do something. Okay, do something. So, um, and I know that you guys are on a journey. And I know, yeah, um, I know that it's been a desire of this church to reach people. Like you, you started your church, well, the people who started, anyone here in the very beginning? There we go, two couples. Um, you called it a community church. You didn't call it the Bible church, but I know you love the Bible. You called it a community church because you desire to reach people in this community. I know that you um, desire to connect people. Not only that great commission, go into all the worlds and make disciples of, of all peoples, but you wanted to connect people so that people were part of a new community, a community of the gospel, and that you wanted um, within this family that you would act like a family, that you would love one another, like Christ loves the church. I'm sorry I'm emotional. Um, give me three strikes. Paul preached in Acts 20 and he cried three times. Um, there's one. Okay. Um, I, know, I know there's another time I'm going to definitely cry. I'll see if, I, see if I get to the third one. But I don't mind crying. Jesus wept. Paul wept three times when he spoke to the elders. Um, I also know that um, this desire to connect, Acts 2.42, young church, they're in a, the temple and they're meeting daily, not just weekly, daily. And they're sharing and all their, their belongings are in common because they trust each other. Um, it's beautiful and we see... Um, things not only are they connecting but they're teaching every day people are growing in in, in teaching and i know uh, you know it's like listen to you know to podcasts every day except it was live you know and um not only were you wanting to reach people equip and connect people but also ah, to invest your lives so that, that people come in here, they become Christians, they, they wouldn't just meet a community but they'd actually find a, a mission field themselves they would grow in faith, but they would actually go out. They would come in and go out, like Christians should. Come in to fellowship, go out to serve. 
And I know that also that your church was built on worshipping God, that this is not about people. It's not about the petty issues that we develop amongst ourselves in our little puny lives that's like vapour. It's actually about God's massive story for the universe and we get to play this tiny little role. We come onto the stage, we don't really know what's gone before, sort of do, but not really. And then we don't know what's coming after us, but we play this tiny little slither of a role, but God's immensity is eternal and we get to be part of that and we get to worship God for eternity. And that's a big picture, true? But you haven't always felt that. You've felt under attack. Don't be surprised. Jesus had within his own 12. He had betrayal. He had um, misunderstanding with Peter. Um, and that, that from, from without, you've had people that have you know, criticised the church or it made it difficult for you to exist, um, to do ministry in, in prisons or in schools or whatever. It's been difficult. Um, but the, when Paul speaks in Acts 20, where he has the three times he cries, what does he say about where the savage wolves come from? So, elders, just, okay, physically, elders, I just don't know who you are, just point to yourselves, point to yourselves, alright, what you want to acknowledge is this is, could be where the biggest problem in this church comes from, right here, this heart, um, and so yeah, whether it's without or within, this church has had grave enemies, not only people, but I believe in spiritual identities. I spoke to a Christian yesterday who said she didn't quite believe in demons. Okay. Now, I've lived in Vietnam. My wife's lived in Papua New Guinea. My fellow elder lived in Northern Territory. We've had quite a bit of experience of demons. If you're going to get messed up in prisons and in um, intense situations involving drugs and unusual spiritualities, you're going to come across unusual spiritualities. And um, if you haven't become aware that you have an enemy that hates your guts, you are underprepared. Um, And if you do not receive that there is, wherever God is working, Satan is active against that, um, you'll be surprised when things go astray and askew. Satan never overcomes God, because God even uses evil for his good. We see that at the cross. Um, how evil can you get then to murder God? But we see that's beautiful. With Joseph, how evil can you get when brothers, your own brothers, half-brothers, full-brothers, no, not full-brothers, half-brothers, they throw you down a well and then they say, you know what, we could do better than murdering, how about we just sell you? Like, that's bad, but God uses it for good to save a big chunk of the world, including God's people. Okay, that's cool. So God even uses Satan to do his will. And every time when Satan does something against this church or against you or against your family or against your kids, and then you you say, hang on, that was bad. And it was. And then you go, oh, God turned it around for good in every situation. Doesn't matter how bad. Because he loves you and he is powerful. He's so powerful that he's outside of that that evil, whether it's an evil person or an evil spirit, that he's able to turn that around for your good, for your Mafra community church's good. Do you believe that? Praise God. God. Come on. That's good. All right, let's get into this. We haven't started the sermon yet. That's just my intro. Um, But yeah, I I just, yeah, I'll finish the intro by saying I've been there. Um, I've been through hardships. I'm 45. I know what it is to take a beating, be discouraged. To have things fail, 
Um, I've been to the mission field and failed. Um, or, you know, I've come back. Um, thank you for those people who contributed money. Had $10,000 left over and I, I invested that in a tool to preach the gospel and that all went all around the world, teaching people the gospel through English. So thank you for your contribution to our mission. But it wasn't fun. Um, I feel your pain. I planted a church 10 years ago. I'm no longer the pastor there. As of November, I'm no longer a member there. It's hard. It's really hard. And I get what it's like to be in a church and to feel friction and to feel difficulties. Um, yeah, let's start. Okay. Everyone ready? Everyone warmed up? Good. Litter. Does it annoy you when you see litter? Okay, it annoys me. Um, last week, I was at my park. I call it my park. More about that in a second. In Warrigal. It's called Civic Park. Has anyone been to Civic Park in Warrigal? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Okay, go to Civic Park in Warrigal. It's about, it's a good run through to Melbourne. Stop in Warrigal. Grab a coffee with me if you like. Um, go to Civic Park. Grab sushi. Just beautiful. Sit there. Watch the ducks. Beautiful. Um, I was in my park and it was, you know, six o'clock in the morning. My dogs are running around. I've got this beautiful little puppy. It's ideal. It's like heaven. It really is. It's like heaven. The sun is coming through the mist. And then on the ground is KFC wrappers and a bit of potato with gravy. And like, it's just garbage. Just, who did that? And why does that annoy me so much? Okay, let's think through. I won't ask you because um, you give me all complex answers, so I'll just tell you. Um, I'm picturing a guy in a ute. Might be wrong. Probably a blue ute. And the blue ute's sitting there in the park, and he's thinking, this is a good park. I get to have this nice place. And then he goes, you know what? I've finished with this KFC and these bones and chicken. Finished with this potato and gravy. I'm not going to throw it on the floor in my ute. Why not? Sorry? He's a tidy person. Tidy. He's a tidy person. Did you think that? He's a tidy person. I'm saying he probably because it's a he. Um, he's a tidy person. He doesn't want to throw it on the ground. So where does he throw it? At the window. All right. What does that then say about his perception of, of his domain of responsibility? It's this big. All right. Now we laugh. And we should because that is ridiculous. Ridiculous. This is a man created in the image of God for great things. And he has seen that his perception of what is important and what is his is this big. What if, so I come along and I clean it up. And I'm not, I'm not scotting here, I'm just saying that's what I do. Because why? It's my park. And I clean it up. Greg the gardener comes along and he says, thanks for cleaning it up. I said, no worries. Now, of course I'm going to clean it up. It's my park. Right? My mum speaks to me during the week. She says, hi Pete. We don't talk very often. I'm trying to do a little bit more. If you're older, quick little pro tip. Tell your sons how often you want to talk. They might actually like to do that, but maybe don't get how often you want to talk. My mum's like talking on the phone. And she's kind of funny. She's a cool person. You think I'm quirky and emotional? you got to meet my mother. She's like next level. She's a Gideon. Well, she's not a Gideon. She's... Auxiliary. Is anyone Gideon's here? They hand out Bibles? Okay. And um, my parents hand out a lot of Bibles. Anyway, she goes, Pete, I was down at Telstra Corner in Warrigal, next to the post office, and I overheard a drug deal. I went, 
Alright? What would you do then? Well, I felt quite safe because my husband, who's 80, my husband was just inside Telstra, so I interrupted them. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, hang on. Well, well, you heard a drug deal and you interrupted them. Yeah, yeah, I heard them talking about heroin and ice and I interrupted them and I said, I overheard what you guys were saying. I'd really encourage you guys not to do that. And they're gone. <laughs> then she pulled out her Bible and said, please will you read this Bible verse? Which is John 3.16. For those, how oh, is it? The God of the world. Um, whoever, whoever, even if you're a drug dealer, you see, in Rope Factory, we had an amazing stuff where drug dealers became Christians. She was a drug dealer, but she was a nice drug dealer. There's a whole league of drug dealers. She's the nice one because she only sells to those who want it and who aren't children. She's a nice one, okay? These guys aren't nice. These are nasty drug dealers. And whoever believes will not perish because they should, but have eternal life. Okay. And he goes, yeah, I pray every night. And she goes, really? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But, But God wants me to be happy. God doesn't mind. He, he loves us no matter what we do. And she goes, well, he's also got standards. You know, it's like they, anyway, they're talking theology again. They said, look, I've been burnt. And she thought he meant burnt from the church. There you go. All right. Guy in a ute this big. All right. Domain. PCAV, park. This is my beautiful park. No one's messing with it. My mum, what does she see as her domain? The whole town. This is her town. You're not going to mess with my town. You're not going to do drug deals on my street. If I hear about it, I'm going to get involved. That's unusual. Alright? Uh, any chaplains in the room? I remember meeting a, meeting a chaplain at the Access meeting who said that a lot of Australia's violence and problems would be solved if people would just take responsibility when they see something wrong. He's a black belt and karate and also a sword fighter and a jiu-jitsu. And so for him to get involved is a little bit easier. But my mum gets involved because she's like spiritual black belt. Yeah? Okay, doesn't matter if you're an old lady with white hair. You can do things that young men probably couldn't do because I probably couldn't get away with doing what she just did. Okay. Ute, park, town, coronavirus. Okay. So if you're going to take see this town as responsible, let me tell you about a friend of mine. He got to the shopping centre before they sold out of toilet paper. And he was going, yeah! And he had two packs of toilet paper. And he was pretty chuffed. And as he's walking out of, the toilet, out of there, he sees this old man who was being in his 70s, maybe 75, running down through the shopping centre because he's too late. He's running. Tripped over. <laughs> Have you ever seen a 75-year-old man run for any product in your whole life? No. Black, um, you know, sales on Boxing Day? No. 75-year-old guys do not run for products. Except toilet paper. Now, if that guy was particularly nice, he might have shared, but he didn't. He took it home, didn't even feel guilty, and then he went and he got out of his car and his neighbour was there. Now, this friend of mine's had a conflict with his neighbour and so, like, and then Holy Spirit said to my friend, give her 
half of your toilet paper. And he's gone, really? Ah! Does it. Goes and gives half of his toilet paper to his neighbour. That's cool. Same day, Aboriginal lady at the end of the street comes down. We're out of toilet paper, we haven't got any Panadol. No worries, here's some toilet paper, here's some Panadol. Taking responsibility for your street, for your town. But what about, what about Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg? Like, you know what they're trying to do? Solve the whole coronavirus. They're trying to cure it. These guys are tech guys. And I would say they're sincere, because if you study um, Bill Gates, he's sincere about solving world problems. Because what? They're made in the image of God. And when you have billions of dollars, when you're making more money than you can possibly spend, and there's a problem, and you're good at solving problems like Bill Gates' brain is, Mark Zuckerberg, I don't really know much about him. Let's go with Bill. You try to find a solution. These are the new monarchs, the new stars of our time. Don't look to the politicians to solve these problems. It's the guys with money and ingenuity that solve problems. They're seeing that their domain, they want to solve the coronavirus for the whole world. Why don't churches who have the Holy Spirit see the whole world as their domain? Why do we get so stuck that it's like a ute? It's just a little bit bigger than a ute, it's just four walls. It's out of main. It's Mafra's not out of main. East Gippsland's not out of main. Victoria, Australia, the world's not out of main. Let's have a look at what the Bible says. And you, I will open it. There you go. You Bible guys, there it is. It's open. Genesis one twenty eight, And Genesis 1, right at the start. Genesis thus means beginning. It's at the start. Chapter 1, that's the first chapter. Verse 28, that's the little numbers. And God blessed them. Beautiful. Thank you, God. And God said to them, God speaks, Be fruitful and multiply Fill the earth. Subdue it. Don't think dominate. Don't think pollution. Don't think any crud. This is God before the fall speaking to humans before the fall. This is a magnificent human beings. You think of the best human being you've ever met? They're broken compared to Adam and Eve. They are going to subdue it. You imagine the best human being you've ever met with enormous power? These guys have got power to subdue the world and to bring it into it like a garden. And have dominion over the fish of the sea. Who has dominion over the fish of the sea? And over the birds of the heavens? Who has dominion over the birds? Like, hang on, have you thought about that? Like, like, literally, I've never thought about it. I've never thought about this. I'm sitting here and I'm preaching to myself. The fish. Right? I know I can catch a fish, but to have dominion over all the fish? Over all the birds? Okay. Every living, every living thing, every beautiful living insect and thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed. And it goes on and, and says in verse, at the end of the chapter, um, verse 31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. What you have there is the mandate to humanity to dominate, and I use that word in a pre-fall way, to have dominion over the earth not to throw your potato and gravy all over it right and it's okay guys I'm not going to go into an environmentalist sort of stream here but okay I am going to an environmentalist stream you don't throw your rubbish outside your goose you don't pour mafra's waste so that sale gets it and the, the lakes you don't say well lakes can have the crud that comes from mafra you don't do that 
Because you know what? As soon as you do that, it's like being in the ute and saying, it's no longer my domain. When I saw the horrible pictures in China of the river that turned red, did anyone see that? It's very apocalyptic. There's a lot of apocalyptic image flying around at the moment. There's a river that turned red. And they say what happened is there weren't many rains and the factory that pumps in all that terrible stuff just overdid it and the river turned red. That is not dominion. That is abuse. And abusing this responsibility that you've got. Okay. So, God has given us a dominion. Are we going to live out our commission? With the coronavirus, this gives you an opportunity to think bigger. I loved Greg's introduction, hey? Wasn't that powerful? All right. Let's go. You've got an outline. All that was just because of the coronavirus. Let's go into this outline. You can look in the back of your, your books. You see, what happens is that we find out that we are actually not capable of running this kind of dominion. Has anyone noticed that? Like, like <laughs> come on, man, preach it. That's good. In fact, let's let's go there. You put up ten. Let's. Go, I'll go with five. Who is scared of the coronavirus? And at five, I'm terrified. Zero, I haven't even thought about. It. Is uh, Corona what? Okay. Um, one, I'm a little bit anxious. So right through. Here we go. One, two, three. One, fours, ones, ones, ones. Some people haven't put their hands up. I'll assume they're zeros or they're just like going, who is this guy? All right. All right. So there's a little bit of range. If we did it with the local community, maybe with the children, do you think we'll get a big range? The primary school kids that Yvonne works with? Okay. It's difficult. People have insecurities. People are fighting over toilet paper. <sighs> when that morning when I actually got the toilet paper and I asked the checkout chick and I said, how's it going for you, this whole toilet paper crisis? And she said, it's horrible. People abuse me every day. They say, you're to blame. The checkout... <laughs> How can the check? There is literally security guards. Okay, the veneer of, of, our, of how civil we are as a society. Very, very thin. Paper thin. All right, because we are broken, are we surprised? As Christians, are we surprised when people are bad? Are we surprised when we're bad? Are we surprised when our wives and husbands are bad? Really, I mean, realistically, are you surprised? Because you shouldn't be. Because when the fall happened, we... Here's the next verse. We did Genesis 1.28. Let's go to Romans. 3. And we'll go to... Hang on, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who turns away. There's no one who... Ah, what is it? There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. All have turned astray. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 to 11, 12, somewhere. Got it? 12. Okay, do you believe that? There is no one righteous, right, before God. There is no one who understands God. All have turned astray. All have turned, have cho- chosen to turn their hearts against God. 
have said, no, no, God, you know what? You don't get it. You don't get me. You are wanting something that I don't want. And I'd rather this. We've all done that. We've all inherited it. My father let me down, just like his father and his father before. All the way back to Adam and the fall. My mother listened and ate when the serpent said, it's your fate. And ever since, her daughters have done the same. Line after line after line of sin. If you, if you look at your dad, how he's messed with you or how he just wasn't perfect, every one of us, look at his dad. There's a reason. Look at his dad. You'll go back you know, through the Kavanaugh line, you'll find alcoholism and um, pride and um, silliness all the way through. Um, so, brokenness. Is everyone on the same page or do we have to hammer this? Like, Okay, everyone's old enough to get that we're broken. All right, good. If you don't, turn to your spouse right now. Look them in the eyes. And just give them that look like, yeah, I know you. I know you. You know what's beautiful about marriage is they actually do know how broken you are. Maybe more than you. And they still love you and still stick by you. That's awesome. That's sort of why Ephesians would say that that's of God. That's a beautiful testimony of God. All right. We're broken. And I would say that we're broken more than we think. Our society's broken. Say it's broken more than we think. Veneer, coronavirus, bushfires, it's broken. Bill Gates is broken. He's not smart enough, he does not have enough money to fix the problems. Mark Zuckerberg is broken. Ray Patchett, great man of God, is broken. Andy May, who was here with the other week, I trust that man with my life. If I had to choose five people in the world who, you know, my life depended on it, I'd choose Andy. For sure. Broken. Hands. Kim. Dave Butler. Who's Dave's wife? Glennis. Yep. Um, Jared. Linda. Okay. These guys have never let me down. They've also never made me feel silly for being eccentric. Ever. You might have different experiences. That's my experiences. This guy's broken. Let's just accept that about each other. There's a brokenness that goes through the whole of humanity from the beginning of the story until we go to glory. Doesn't mean we accept it and do drug deals on the corner of Telstra. Now we fight it. We push it away. We listen to God. We repent. If you've never repented, it's pretty easy. You just say, look God, this was not your fault. It's mine. It was your heart on the line. I really mucked it up this time. Please forgive me. You do the same thing with the people you're with. If you've hurt them, it's not your fault. This was my fault. You see, the word sorry is a stupid word to use. Sorry. I just did it. Sorry is not an efficient word to use in Christian repentance. Because sorry means sad. I am sorrowful. You use sorry when you feel sad. And you can say that if someone's sick, Greg, I'm sorry you're feeling a bit unwell. Wish you'd told me that before you shook my hand. (laughs) (laughs) No, I really am. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I feel sorry. I've got no part to play in Greg's sickness. But if you've done the wrong thing, don't say sorry. Because it's saying, 
I'm sad. And there's two types of sad. This can be the sad, you found me out. It can be the sad, I wish that you weren't being so silly. There's all sorts of sad. It's just a very complex word. So it's much better to say, I did you wrong, and will you forgive me? If you were willing to say, will you forgive me? It's got the word gift in it. Will you forgive me for hurting you? We're not talking about the way you hurt me, because I'm sure it happened. We're just talking about me to you. Will you forgive me? And that's a much more clean, healthy way to repent to eat to your brothers and sisters and your wives and husbands. Like, think about it. Like, if there's something that's coming to your mind right now, and the heart of man will mean that we probably are thinking of other things that people have done to us. If God's Holy Spirit is kind enough to tell you something that you've done to hurt someone in this room, meet with them for coffee this week. Say, you know when that happened? You know we were standing at the corner over there after church and we said those harsh words? Well... I was out of line because I was feeling ungracious and I was, you know, whatever it was. And then you say, it was not your fault, it was my fault that I did that. I stuffed that up. Will you forgive me? It's a very healthy way to, 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 to reconcile. And it's exactly the same with our Father in heaven. Just own up. Just take it that it wasn't his fault. God didn't make you sin. You, you sin. Just like Adam and Eve. God didn't make them sin. They, they sinned. Alright, because God is holy. We are broken, and more broken than we think we are. As we get older, sometimes we realise more and more, sometimes we think less and less. Depends what theological bent you've got. God is more holy than you think. Alright, and what we need to know is the gospel, which is represented like that. Every rock star you see wearing that around the neck, you remember the gospel. What is the gospel? That's not rhetorical. Who can land it? What is the gospel? You, you, you said a verse, John 3 16. Who can say in one sentence what the gospel is, the good news of Jesus? John 3 16. Go for it. Say it again. John 3 16. For? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have eternal life. Is that okay? That's why it's so famous. That's why people actually even put it under their eyes when they're playing NFL and put it in the signs. Because it's so succinct. Yep, I'm happy with that. Is everyone elders? We're okay okay with that. Okay, the gospel, the good news. That's a good news. It's not based on your righteousness. It's based on his. All right, we're going to get more into that. But this is what we're going to talk about because I look around the room and I see a lot of people that have been in church for a while. And what can happen is that you're walking along and then you realise that you're broken and you realise that you need the gospel. So you call out for Jesus. If you've read the Pilgrim's Progress, awesome. You guys repent. Yeah, you have you haven't read it, get on audio book this week. Listen, it is epic. Alright. You your burden falls off at the cross. And you're like, praise God, I've been saved. Anyone had that experience as an adult? Cool. Well, how good was it? How good was it? Uh, <laughs> how good was it, man? Um, it was good. Uh, because I was born as a Christian, but I wasn't a Christian. And then I knew God's love at that point, so it was really good. Yeah. And I knew how big God was. Yes. 
Ask these three people who just put their hands up. Ask them for their full testimony as an adult. It's awesome. Miracle. How many adults in Australia become Christians? Very, very few. Miracle. Okay. This is what happened. How long ago was that? 34 years. Okay. If you have this theological view, which most of us do growing up, 20 years, 30 years, 34 you look back, what happens to the gospel? Perspective-wise. It gets smaller. It's not smaller. Like, and when you stop and think about it, it's awesome. But if, it's, if you have this idea that in one point of time you trusted Jesus and he took away your sin and then you're like, that was a really good event. And then you go on trying to serve God and not do drug deals, not sleep around and you misses. Not gossip after church, not backstab people, you know, not all the other sins that we go on and you know, if you try that all the rest of your life and you're looking back and you, you know this gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until it's like, yeah, yeah, I remember like a long time ago I needed Jesus to save me. Alright, I want to give you a better model to visualize this. Okay, you're walking along. You're walking along in this sin. And you're broken. And you start to realise you're broken. And then, something happens where you see God. So, is it, what's your name? Wayne. Wayne saw, saw God's bigness. And he sees God's holiness as well. So, if we were to look at the, Isaiah 6, but don't go there. Does anyone know that? Isaiah 6. I saw the Lord's, I was seated, lifted up. His train, just the train of his... Garments fill the whole temple. And, and the, what, what do the seraphim and the cherubim are calling out with their wings covering their eyes because it's just too full on? What are they crying out? Oh, oh, oh. Alright. Why do they do it three times? Sorry? Good guess. You've listened to the song. Yeah, close. But maybe, maybe there's beauty in three. There's something else going on here linguistically. Who's our language scholars? <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, I've got a friend who's like I say cool a lot. I'm sorry. It's just a, it's the catch-all wall word. If I'm feeling good, it's cool. If it's okay, it's cool. Okay, my friend, he says cool, cool. Cool, 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 cool. That means it's really cool. Holy. If you went into the tabernacle, you walk into the holy place, you have to wash. Right? We get holiness now because of coronavirus. Right? You need to be holy. You can't come bring in this thing. You can't come into our country. You need to be holy. You need to be set apart. Then you come in. Then you go into the holy place. The holy of holies. Holy, holy. God is holy, holy, holy. If you're looking geographically, you've got holy. You've got holy, holy. Three-dimensional plane. You've got a three-dimensional plane now. So this is holy, holy, holy. This is like massive. 
Right? It's not just a little bit holy. It's okay, now language. If you go, this is good. If it's if it's, if it's more good, what is it? Better. If it's more good, best. Good, better, best. Never let it rest. Okay. Hebrews don't do that. Like, it's, it's crazy. Why do we change the word good, better, best? English is very silly. They just go, they just multiply it out. Holy times two. Holy, to, holy times two squared. Well, really, it's squared. Cubed. Holy cubed. Is that okay? This is massive holiness. Like, no, that's not even a good word. This is like holiness that we can't contain. So when you say that God is holy, we are, we are admitting that God is far beyond us. Not only in strength, but in his beauty and purity. Okay, so at the same time that you realize that God is big, like Wayne did, you realize that you are broken and bad. And they're a different word and they're both true. Sin breaks us when it's done to us and when we do it. But we also do sin. We, we, we sin. Break, broken. I use the word broken because it's less religiously bound. Sin's a better word. But there's a whole heap in the Bible. Transgression, to transgress, to fall short. All these words. To bro- it's busted. It's stuffed up. Okay. What is the only thing that can get us from here to here? Jesus. Amen. Christ. More explicitly. Jesus. Jesus. Yes, I, I totally take Jesus. Okay, what is the gospel? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is risen. Jesus is Lord. You can say the gospel in three words. Jesus. One word. Jesus is Lord. Um, yeah, when Paul says, I preached, I did what? I preached. Three letters. I preached. No, that's two. That's two words. Three letters. I preached. Two words. I'm looking at three letters. I preached. Paul, come on. There's Paul. Come on, guys. You've been in church for a long time. What did Paul preach? He preached. Who said it? Him. He preached him. He preached him. So Jesus, I totally take it. Christ crucified, two words. Totally take it. All right? Christ crucified, I preached him. I preached John 3.16. Because I love the word of God. Yep. Um, what else? Okay. That is the gospel. And that is represented by the cross. The crossing of, of God's holiness and, and man's brokenness. And we, he meets us in the middle. He bridges the gap. And we get to be with God. Good news? That's why it's called the gospel. All right. Now that's what happened here as well. In that model. This model goes like this. Now Wayne has been a Christian for a month and he realises it's not just about stopping smoking, which isn't actually a sin anyway. It's a dumb thing. It's not a sin. It's not just about stopping lusting over someone or sleeping with them. Sorry, I'm not putting you down, Wayne. Sorry, I should use someone else. Um, <laughs> it's not about just stopping doing bad stuff. It's also about this heart stuff. And your heart is desperately wicked because then you start getting proud that you're a Christian and your family's not a Christian, and you start putting pressure on them to become a Christian, and they're like, I don't want to be a Christian. And you're like, well, I am. I'm more holy than you. I'm holy, holy. I might not even be holy, 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 but I am holy, holy. Mow your lawn. Mow the lawn. No, I am reading my Bible. 
You're like, ah! And your family's like, is this legit or what? And then you realize, hang on, that's crazy. Why did I? Now, why am I just so messed up? Why am I proud? God actually expects much more of his children than just stopping a few little sins that are actually quite easy to stop if you just have some pressure put on you by friends. It's this hard stuff that's harder to stop. You're more broken than you think. So what do we need from God one month, one year, ten years down the track? Need more of God. Yes? Which is the? Holy Spirit. Grace. I'm going to put that in here. Holy Spirit's in there. We need the? Gospel. Alright. So, here we have that. What happens after that? You start getting to the age where you've got grey hair and you realise that you are way more desperately wicked than you ever thought. You do things that you never thought you ever would. You say things to your wife or your husband in a fit of anger that you never believed you would ever say to that precious person. And you do it and then you excuse it. And you say, well, it was, it was brought on. It was her fault. It was his fault. And then you start going, hey, hang on. And when, you, when a visiting preacher comes and says this stuff, you go, well, hang on, yeah. What if we just say it was bad? We know it's bad. It was worse than we think it is. And you know what? God is more holy than you think he is. He's holy, holy, holy. He's beautiful. His love is unsurpassed. His grace is just abounding. It's amazing. What do we need? When we've been following Jesus for 60 years and we realise that we still have got sin in our lives. What do we need? The cross of Christ. The gospel. Okay. Now what happens? Instead of us, as we go along our journey, looking back and the cross gets smaller and smaller, what happens in our experience if we experience God like this? Bigger and bigger and bigger. So if you're sitting there today, stop pretending you're not bad. Stop pretending you're not broken. Instead, when you take communion, you thank God that he died. He sent his son to die for you. And it's going to be okay. You can just, at that moment, say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Every single time. You say, no, surely, surely not. Every single time. Every single time you sin. Because this is the thing. Let's just use, this is going to be a little bit confusing, but just let you use this. Just imagine God creates the world back here. All leads up to Jesus being crucified. Centre of history. We even split the calendar down the middle. Jesus before him, then after him. As Christians hold on to that, everyone is declaring that when they say 2020. They're saying 20 and 20 years from when Jesus came and fixed this horrible mess that we found ourselves in. So then, after this, how many years have we had since then? 2,000 years. So, did the cross reach the Romans? But was it good enough for the Romans? 300. Yeah? It was. Okay, was it good enough for the, for the British in the, you know, the 1100s, 1200s, in the Dark Ages, in the Middle Ages? Was the cross okay? Or did it run out of steam? It's good. Okay, was it good in the 1800s? Yeah, yep. when Australia's being settled, when East Gippsland's being settled. Thank you. Was that from me? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I must have been like... like... <laughs> My wife always says I sniffle when I get emotional, which is... Um, okay, is it good for the 2000s? 2020s? 2021? Yes, 
All right, we know this, right? Okay, now think about yourself personally. When did you hear about the gospel of Jesus? Just call out the year, go. I heard about it, I trusted Jesus when I was six, so at 1981 in Churchill. Lying in my bed, pick up the Gideon's Bible, read Romans 6, 23, for the way to sin is... For all the sin falls short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I hear that. Okay, call out the year you heard about the gospel. 1960. 60. 86. That wasn't many. Come on, 1, 2, 3. 94. 94, 72. Alright, okay. All those dates you hear about the gospel. Was the, was the cross effective at that date? Yes. Okay, why... When you hear it in 72 and you hear it in 94, yeah? Why do you think that in... Sorry, I shouldn't point the finger. Why do people think that if they hear it in the 72, by the time it gets to 94, that they can't bring their sin to the cross? Because Christians are like that. Yeah. Older brother Christians. I don't know if you're preaching to the wrong, wrong crowd. You guys are not going to be like, yeah, every, every community. You, you become a Christian as a new, as a adult, which is sometimes different. What I'm trying to say, and I'm really glad you kicked back, because come on, this, this is it, right? Even if this just clarifies it. If you're, if it's 1972, and you receive the gospel, then 10 years later, something terrible happens. Maybe you get divorced. Something horrible. Maybe, you know, your, your child dies and you go, like my friend, you're down the beach, Unconscious because he's been on drugs for three weeks. That's what happened to him in Saudi Arabia as a high-powered diplomat. He's a Christian. He's a great Christian. Right, something weird happens like that. Is the cross still enough? Yes. All right. And so this thing that you look back because it was always in the past anyway. It didn't matter if he was 1972, 2000, 2020. It was always in the past. Happened how many times? Once for for, for which people? All people, once for all. Cool. All right. Now we're going to wrap this up with two Corinthians five twenty one. And I'll do please, please turn to that one. Sorry, we're going late. Eutychus fell out of the window in the middle of the night. Paul went down, rose him from the dead, brought him back up, preached till dawn. Okay, I'm not doing anything until dawn. No, actually, I've got to preach in Warrigal at 7. Okay, we're going to finish before 5.30 so I can drive back to Warrigal. So it's going to be okay. Um, all right, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God. This is a story about God. It's not about you. It's not about you. And that is refreshing. Because everything in the world, the Western world particularly, is about you. This is not about you. This is about God. God made him. There's that three letters again. God made him. Who's the him? Jesus Christ. He made him who knew no sin. Just think about that for a minute. We've thought about our fathers and our mothers. We've thought about our own hearts. thought about our spouses. We know the sin in this world. That's just within Christians. Don't ever tell me that Christians don't know how to sin. You hang out with Christians for long enough and you realise sometimes they're the most messed up. Because God's been so gracious, he's called them out. And you meet someone like Bill Gates, who's quite a decent person. Won't be any good for him when he goes to the cross. Sorry, when he goes to heaven because he hasn't gone to the cross. Yeah? It doesn't matter how decent a person you are. 
Right? It matters whether you trust Jesus. So, for God made him who had no sin. What did he make him? Sin for us. So this broken, horrible mess that we've got ourselves into as as a town, as a nation, as a world, Jesus, the pure one who has never let anyone down, the good man, he says, all the way since Adam and Eve, when they took that fruit and said, God, you don't know what you're doing. We do. Satan does. We're going to side with Satan. All the way down to... Cain and Abel, one generation, murder. All the way down, three, seven generations, we've got the guy massacring. All the way down to your grandparents, your father, you. All that sin, just picture it. Picture it like a pebble dropping off a mountain. Pebbling down, just starting a rock slide. And as it gets further, there's boulders, there's, there's a holocaust, there's d- disgusting things that happen in this world. It just grieves us. And it's just pouring all down the hill, this mountain slide of sin. And then, at one point in time, God sends his beautiful, precious son, who says, I got that. Like a true man, he takes it on himself. For six hours, and say, well, how's that possible? I don't know. Do it by faith. In six hours... All of that sin went on him. It actually goes deeper. It says that he became sin. All that just lands on top of him. He absorbs it and takes it. He becomes sin. And then he says, it is It's done. There is no more to be paid. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in, three letters, in him. This doesn't happen in you, it happens in him. That in him we might be what? Righteousness of God. This is the double substitution. Are people familiar with the double substitution? You need to write a song about double substitution, kick that in so you get this in your heads. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's fairly righteous. That is holy cute. Do you look at yourself and think, hmm, I am a holy person. Do you? When you look at your past? Okay. When you think in him, Am I a holy person? Yes. You're no longer in your past. You're no longer even in your own messed up, broken, sinful person. You are in Christ. You are the most holy thing in this world. When you are in him. Because he is. Is that extreme? If it's not somewhat extreme, you will fall short on how amazing this is. Normally in churches, and I'm, once again, I might be wrong, Wayne's like, dude, come on, we got this. Normally in churches, they do this. <laughs> You're right, no, 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 it's cool, man. I, I love it, love it. I love when people say stuff from the audience, because then you can pick on them back. It's like hecklers for comedians. Anyway, um, we often talk about Jesus' death taking our sin. You are a broken sinner who needs the cross. Praise God, my sin is gone. It is lifted off my shoulders. 
Even the sin that you did yesterday, even the sin you did this morning, praise God. The second substitution is when all that righteousness that Jesus earned for an eternity of praising the Father, never, ever going astray from the Father, all the way through his life, which was very short, but you know how hard it is to live righteously for one week. Our nation can't even live righteously for a week when there's like toilet paper, you know, like you've got people abusing each other about toilet paper. It's just ridiculous. But Jesus, he walked everything. When Satan, who is pushing as hard as can be to destroy him, and he says, no, you're not destroying me. I'm following God. That kind of righteousness is you in him. Okay, I'm going to quote a song, and it's a song, it's not a Bible verse. You don't have to receive it. You can reject it. That's totally fine. It's a song I wrote. It goes like this. I can remember it. If I had a guitar, it'd be easier. Take all my years, take all my fears, take all my tears. You ask me to cast all of my cares, and it's all that I have. Your grace, this is the line, okay? Your grace, I take it at face value. It's good between me and you. Can you say that? Father God, it's good between me and you. True. Because of the cross, it's good between me and you. I'm free and you're pleased with me. Can you say that one? Cool. I don't care if you didn't say it out loud, but can you say it? Can you say that you are free and that God, holy, holy, holy God who sees right to your heart is pleased with you? Because of the cross. That's a good place to finish. I actually have the application. Elders, do you want the application or do you want me to finish and pray? Seems like we've been preaching 10 minutes. Five minute application. Alright, here we go. Genesis 128 was about dominion. God giving you dominion. He's giving you dominion over your home. Take the dominion in your home. There are things in your home that need to be restructured and reorganized. Sins confessed. All that stuff, do it. It's your dominion. Don't throw it outside your ute. The town. God's giving you dominion in this town. Take it. Speak into the life of this town. If there's a drug deal going there, doesn't matter how old you are, pray about whether you're the one who either interacts or just prays. You know, like, but, but do something. Praying is not nothing. Gippsland. I remember this church doing conferences in Sale. True? Or being involved with them. Still happen? Okay. That was a good thing. Thank you for doing that for our, for Gippsland. Um, Dan and Simone, they come from here. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Those who don't know, um, Dan died, or he went, he went to sleep. Yeah, church planners, epic family. Uh, broken, broken, yes, epic. Dan came and preached um, when I was a chaplain in Trelgan. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
And he preached the gospel so well that I was ashamed. Because I was working in school and I, and I needed the money. And I was a pastor. Dan comes and he just goes for it. He's like winsome, funny, beautiful, revealing Jesus. Lands the gospel. Bang! These kids are like, whoa! That's the gospel. Wow! <laughs> that was cool. He's like, close your eyes, put your hands up, you want to trust Jesus. I never would have done that. Partly it's a different role. Partly it's just I was ashamed of the gospel. Thank you God for Dan. You guys sent that guy out. He's a short ministry. But a powerful ministry. It's good. Chaplaincy. You got Jared. You got Yvonne. They're kicking goals. That's a hard, hard thing to do. I've, I've done it. I've been both secondary school and primary school chaplain. Killer. If you don't have compassion on those guys, they're doing something that's ridiculously hard. In this climate, in this... I, was, I rocked up at Nearham South Primary and they said, we don't want to call you a chaplain. I was praying with, with, with a lady and she got down on her knees in public and I got rebuked. I didn't get on my knees. She did. <laughs> she was falling down before God. Okay. I prayed with the, um, the, the mother, sorry, the wife of the school council president and he forced the principal to make me stop praying with adults. It's a really hard thing. Pray for those guys. But it is amazing what your church is doing. Fuller, Fulham Prison. I was just sitting here, I've been here twice the last month. You guys love Fulham Prison. My brother's in, um, been doing prison ministry for 15 years in Geraldton, WA, mainly uh, Aboriginal dudes. He'll be there tonight. He'll be preaching the gospel going hard. You guys are doing a good thing. You're taking dominion over this place. You're saying, that's in our, that's in our town. You know, that mashed potato and gravy? I'm picking that up. For whatever reason, the government's put all these guys that have done all this crazy stuff and they put them just in our little town. We're going to take care of that. We're going to take care of any Jewish guy that has a vision about Jesus. He's ours. We're dominion. OAC, Jared and Linda. Victoria, Australia, the globe. David has a heart for Nigeria. He's been there. Um, The lady whose sister was in Ethiopia. Sorry, yep. You guys, you get how big this, how small this world is. You get it, right? It's a small world. You can do ministry in Nigeria, you can do ministry in Ethiopia. You can remember Nai, we did ministry in um, Vietnam. Okay, your application for this part is to have a bigger vision. Repent of having that small little you vision. Now, maybe you didn't start out this way, but now you've gone into this sort of, eh, I'm just going to take care of my little you, my little garden, my roses. No, take care of Nigeria. Give half your money to David and say, go and spend it on Nigeria. You know, whatever you can do. If you've got money, give it. If you've got time, pray. You know, lots of people haven't got time to pray. You pray, 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 pray. Repent that we run this Ute and KFC vision. Just take care of my little church. I want to take care of Mafra. Repent of that. Um, the drug dealer vision, where you take care of your town, but you don't look outside of Mafra. The coronavirus level, like we're talking Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg level. You're going to look at the whole thing and say, God, how is our church going to impact this whole globe that you designed in Genesis 1.28, that you sent your son to die for the whole world, every culture, God's bringing the cultures to this place at Fulham and um, just if you if you look out, there'll be different cultures around you. Look for it. All right. Romans 3, 11 to 12. 
Okay, your application here is... Don't be like the older brother in the, um, in the um, prodigal son. Don't think that you're the good guy and those other ones who go to Fulham or get messed up or get into drugs and stuff like that, they're the bad ones. They're the little brothers because they're both lost. They both haven't got the heart of the father. So some of you guys are going to be more like the younger brother. Some of you are more like the older one. Come back to the father. Um, legalism kills us. Older brother legalism, where we think, yeah, I'm pretty good. Because it means that your view of the cross gets smaller rather than bigger. Um, application. I was driving here today and I came up with this application I had to obey it. Stop your car every time you get conviction that you have sinned. If you're driving, stop your car. Pull over. We do it with a phone. Phone rings. We should. Pull over. Yeah, yeah, hello. Okay, God the Holy Spirit speaking to you and saying, hey, that wasn't real cool. Okay, pull over, deal with it. Okay, make the phone call. At least say, God, I'm so sorry. No, I said the word, God, it was not your fault, it was mine. Please forgive me. That's better. Cool. Um, Do it today. Maybe there's been some things in the sermon that's come up. Let me pray about that and then I'll finish with the last point. Father God, Please heal this church. Heal the individuals here. Take their sin away. Nail it to the cross. It happened before when they trusted you. It happens every day. Thank you for the cross. It's once for all. God, please, Lord, take any pride out of this room that the people would not love their sin, not love their pride, not love being a righteous person in others' eyes. God, I pray with this little idea about stopping their car. I pray that even on the way home from church, people would stop their car, alone in their car, and get right with you. Amen. Last point. Live your inheritance. Live the double substitution. I think Australians are particularly bad at receiving good things from others. Yesterday I was playing my guitar at the cafe, it's just what I do to wind down, and a friend came up, oh, poor, poor dear, she was 17 when I taught her to sing and play guitar, she wrote songs, she followed Jesus, she'd sing at the youth band, she married a real jerk, terrible divorce, terrible, left with two kids, horrible, just messed her up, nearly walked away from the faith because Christians judged her that she was wrong for divorcing an abusive person, not true, she did the right thing, she's not, she's not a... She's not a, a, a woman that just wants to mess around. She wants to be safe with her kids. Anyway, we catch up yesterday. And I just say to her, I won't say her name, Lucy, you sing better than when you're 17. And she says, no, it's not true. I haven't sung for ages. I can't sing anymore. So no, seriously, you can sing because singing, a big chunk is passion. And that comes from life experience. You've been through the ringer. And you sing with more heart than you did when you're 17. And she still wouldn't say thank you. Why is that? Later in the day, she Facebooks it and says to me and my wife, "You guys are wonderful." And I go, "No, nah, I'm not really wonderful." I'm not. I go, "Hang on, let's do the same thing." All right, so I'm going to tell you guys, you're holy. All right, you're beautiful. You're made in God's image. Your sin is not going to destroy you. Your sin is not going to hold you back. Things that you've done wrong can be overcome. 
Things that have died can be risen again. You're okay. Things are good between you and God because of the cross. Just receive it and go, that's cool. Come on, let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we commit this church family to you. God, may the words that you have written, I've bounced around the the Bible, Lord, but you have had a message for the people in this church. God, may these verses that are written on the board here be written in their hearts. May this image of the cross getting bigger and bigger in, in their own hearts and in Mafra Community Church be remembered, be applied. May people be quick to confess sin and quick to receive that they are righteous and beautiful before you, Lord. God, I pray for lunchtime today as people decompress from this intense sermon that they would confess sin, that they would rejoice in their righteousness in you, that they would share with others about their journey, that there would be closeness in this church. Wounds would be healed, relationships would be mended, people would get back on the mission. Your will be done in this church in the name of Jesus. Amen.